morning, guys. You, uh, you got to love the shameless plug, don't you? Um, good to see you today. L- listen, I want to I show you something here. It's something that we do just about every Sunday that we gather here as a church body together. Um, it's it's this, this practice that's become very integral to us where we confess our sins together. And we often do it through some formalized prayers like this one. If you've been with us for any length of time, you've seen, right? Most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. And I'm already seeing a lot of you start to say it along with me. It's something that, that we've done so much that for, for those of us who have been planted here for some time in a regular way, it, it's become central, right? We, we know it. it it's, it's there, and of course, we know how it goes on. We've uh, amped it up during Lent, And if you've been with us the past few weeks, you've seen this run. And hopefully through the repetition of the last few weeks, this has started to become more and more familiar too, as we've said these words together. The idea behind doing this is basically, let me get off that one. It won't go back. There we go. Um, To break over-familiarity, right? Have you ever noticed how something can become so familiar that it starts to become unfamiliar? You get on autopilot, and you just say it, and and you kind of come up for air. It's like when you drive sometimes, and you're like, how did I get home, right? And, And you've been awake, but you've been so focused on other things and so used to the route that you just kind of end up there. I think sometimes these, these prayers that are rich in meaning and, and deeply meaningful to us can have the same effect. They, they lull us to sleep. And, and through the over-familiarity, we, we find ourselves on autopilot. And so, so we added these other things for this season just to kind of try to force us out of that, to, to make us think again, to reflect again, to kind of draw us in and, and, and yet through a certain familiarity, allow it still to be something that we can express from our soul. Less frequently around here, but still to some degree, we, 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 we confess other kinds of things. Here's the Apostles' Creed. Not so much a confession like, oh, I'm sorry, kind of thing as much as a profession of, here's what I believe, here's what I stake myself on, here's what's, what's central uh, to me. And, and those of you who have been planted in this place for some time, you might recognize these words as well. What I want to talk to you today about is why we do it, why, why we spend so much time any given Sunday going through these select and specific confessions and professions and prayers, why it's integral to us as a church body and and integral to our spiritual practice. Um, Let me start with a Bible passage with you here today. And it comes out of Romans 10. Paul writes this to this church. He says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's the confess with your mouth part that I want to point out today. You can see from a passage like this that, okay, there's no getting around this. It's important to confess with your mouth. I mean, the stakes are pretty high on it. 
that, that somehow and in some way giving verbal expression to, to submitting to Jesus, which is really what it means to call him your Lord, you're, you're my master, you're, you're above me, I, I submit to you, that somehow and in some way su- submitting to him and, and, and professing that verbally is an expression of what we believe about him and our heart affects salvation in some way. And that is ultimately why we're here, salvation and finding that in a God who delights and loves to save. And so we say these kinds of things on Sunday morning because while life is important and the good things of life that we all seek and spend our energy and time seeking after, they're important. Salvation is more important. And confessing these kinds of things and saying these kinds of things becomes a way by which we're trying to provide a door for you to enter through. A door to continually confess with, with resonant language, Jesus is Lord. To keep him front and center because he should be front and center, but often gets marginalized out to a thousand other things vying for his attention, for that central place in our life, seeking to be idols that, that want to push him to the sideline instead. So, so we, we, we do these, these prayers of confession, these, these, these statements of faith, these creeds, and, and, and whatnot is a way to articulate our faith, what we believe, to say, God, this is, this is who you are. This is how I see myself. This is how I see the fundamental nature of our relationship and, and, and reality. And keeping it before our eyes again and again. It's a constant reminder to keep front and center. He who wants to be front and center in our lives. Does that make sense? And for those of us who believe this, this can become a very dear, important, personal, meaningful expression of this faith that we have. But, but you know, we're not naive. We, we know this. I know this. Any given Sunday, there are many here who don't believe this. They're here. You're here. And I got to tell you, we could not be more grateful. I could not be more grateful and more happy that you had the guts to step into a place filled with a bunch of people who are, who are proclaiming something and saying something and, and singing about, I mean, who, who gathers together to sing anymore? Who are singing about things that are deeply important to their life and And I want you to know that when we go through these practices any given week, saying these things and praying these things, we never want you to feel forced or coerced to have to say something you don't believe. I want you to hear this from me. This is a safe place to not believe. And believe me, I know what it's like firsthand to walk into a place of worship among a group of people who 
well, might seem like, like amazing people in their own right, you fundamentally just disagree with. And to kind of be in that situation going, you know, like, what's this going to be? And like, like what am I going to have to do? And how am I going to stick out? And, and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be like all over their radar and it's going to be so weird. Thanks for coming and putting yourself in that position today. Thanks for the openness that you come here with to explore, out of curiosity, see what it's all about. Shoot, maybe even just to kind of placate your wife. We're glad you're here. But see, what we want to do for you while you're here is give you what we can try to muster is the clearest and best presentation of what's central to what we believe any given week. The Christian faith is complex and deep and touches on every life topic imaginable. And there is no conceivable way that any given week we can share a comprehensive view of everything that the way of Jesus is about. So instead, what we seek to do is find these summaries, boil things down that those of us who believe can express, but that for those of you who don't believe can hear to see what exactly is this Jesus thing about and what these confessions are meant to do that we say, these, these, these creeds are meant to do that we say is just that give you a clear picture of what we believe is central to life, central to God, central to the human condition, central to reality, not just in a personal way, but in a way where a group of people go, no, this is what we think reality actually consists of. And our hope is that by being a part of this, quite honestly, that it becomes something that you want too. And not in some kind of weird way like we're trying to get you like, to be a part of us or, or get you like, in or like, like, like win some kind of contest. No, none of that kind of stuff. Just because we, we have found and we believe that, that the way of Jesus is a life-giving, hope-granting, soul-saving way that we would love for you. And so we say these things as a way to kind of present that to you, to see just what it is that we hold to and grasp onto so dearly. Which circles me back around again to those of you who do believe this. And when we do pray these kind of confession things and, and say these creeds where, where, where you are actually saying it, from a place of deep sincerity. Do you realize that for Jesus, sharing your faith is not an option. It's a mandate. 
you, you know, the classic passages, right? I mean, you see this pattern in Jesus himself where, where you know, his, his entire ministry is based on spreading the good news of the kingdom of God and calling people to turn to God as a result, which is, which is kind of codified in a fancy word called repentance. And then, then raising up disciples and calling his followers to do exactly what he does. You, you know the classic things where Jesus says things like, go and make disciples, right, of all nations, where he says things like, you will be my witnesses. Interesting to me, it's just kind of like a, a statement of fact. It's not like a, be my witnesses. It's like, no, you just are. You just are. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You know the classic passages. Peter saying things like, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. My question to you, though, is this. Those, those of you here who believe it, do you? Do you share it? Or maybe better put, how do you share it? Because the reality is you are giving witness to Jesus, whether you like it or not. And there's absolutely nothing worse, is there? Because, of course, talking about faith and religion has become such an awkward topic among so many. Have you ever found yourself in this position where, where the conversation comes up or someone actually even asks you and you're like, this never happens. I should have played the lottery, right? And, and someone actually asks you what you believe and, and you're there kind of like caught off guard. You've had this before and it's just kind of like the... Oh, like you don't know what to say. You've been there? Yeah? One of the reasons we say these, these prayers, these statements of faith every week is to give you words. It's to give you a way of articulating and summarizing the central points of what you believe. So that when someone's coming to you and going, wait, wait, you're a Christian? What? What, really? What is that about? And you're like, oh, no, no, you know, kind of what I just believe is that I'm a sinner. You know? I'm a sinner. That I'm not right with God, that this isn't some collection of the perfect, but a place for people who are broken and that I deserve nothing but Wrath and punishment and alienation from him. But through his son Jesus, he's gracious to me. He's renewed me. He's forgiven me. He leads me in his way. See what I'm doing? I'm taking what I know on autopilot and just expressing it in a personal way. Or what's this Christianity thing about? Well, it's about the idea that there's something more than just the material things we see in this world. There's a God, a higher power, and he's personal so much that he, he invites me to think of him as my dad, and that he's the maker of all things. He's all-powerful. And then he has a son named Jesus who's the Jewish Messiah and who's my Lord, who's conceived miraculously, Born a peasant, what am I doing? 
I'm just taking the Apostles' Creed and making it my own. We say these kinds of things to train you, to teach you, to help you take this incredibly wonderful, complex revelation of God and distill it in such a way for those who are completely unfamiliar with it. Which leads to another way. We, we say these kinds of things any given Sunday because when you damage a relationship, it's important to say, I'm sorry. See, God invites us to do something more than just call him Lord. He invites us into a deeply personal, intimate relationship with him. And some of you here today might not feel like you have a deeply personal, intimate relationship with God. I mean, you know the cliche, but it doesn't feel that way. You don't think of Jesus so much as a friend as you do some kind of just idea or entity. Or if you do call him your friend, it's kind of like more of like one of those distant Facebook friends. You know, you see a post once in a while, but there's really no connection that goes beyond that in each other's life. And I want to tell you, if you're at that place today, I get it. But you're missing out. I want to show you another passage. Let me uh, jump that one by and go to this. This, uh, this disciple of Jesus named John, who, who ironically and strangely among all the disciples is the one called in the Bible the one who Jesus loved. Right? This is the disciple who writes most about what it means to, to, to approach Jesus as a friend and, and, and expresses most Jesus' words about his invitation to call us friend. He writes this, if we claim to be without sin, we're, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It is inevitable in any relationship that at some point you will hurt each other. It is inevitable in any relationship that at some point you will disappoint each other. And it is inevitable in any relationship that at some point, in some way or fashion, you will betray each other. This is true of our relationships with everyone that we know, everyone that we're close to. It is true of our relationship with God. And I found that when you damage a relationship, the most healing thing you can do is to admit it and say, I'm sorry, to just own it, to own it, to just approach them humbly and say, 
I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Have you ever had that kind of like fight with your wife or your brother or a friend? And then it's like the next time you see each other, it's all weird, right? It's like there's this, this buffer now between you because what happened isn't really being talked about anymore, but you both know it's still kind of there. This unspoken thing is still there between you, but it's undealt with. And it's like the relationship just doesn't really go anywhere because it's stuck in this place where there's this buffer or tension wedging you apart. Guys, this happens. This happens with God. See, if the God of the Bible was like the the pagan gods of old who wanted nothing more than your sacrifice and an occasional prayer or hymn of praise, this wouldn't matter. But for a God who wants to know you and for you to know him to love you and for you to love him to be in what the only word to describe it is relationship with him. It is inevitable that we will damage it. And so we say these things every week. Every week, these, these confessions, these, 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 these confessions of our sins to God to go, Lord, this relationship with you means everything to me. And I know I've hurt you again this week. That's what sin is. It's hurting God. I know I've hurt you. I know I've broken faith with you. I know I've betrayed you. I know I've disappointed you. I know I sidelined you, sold you out, or any other number of things, and I'm here to say, I'm sorry. Because I don't want there to be this thing between us anymore. Robbing us of being able to go on with this together. To, to rob us of being able to grow together. Of robbing us of, of laughter and joy and intimacy. And, and all that a good relationship is supposed to foster and, and bring. It's to say, God, we can't move on until we deal with this. So I'm dealing with this with you today. Trusting that you won't rub my nose in it. You won't hold it over my head. You won't bring it up time and time again. You won't act all smug and superior. That you're just there broken and hurting. Wanting me. We say these things as a way to say, so God, here I am. I'm sorry so that our relationship with God can thrive again. And if you're here today, and you find yourself on any given Sunday saying these kinds of things with us, and you're on autopilot, can I just encourage you to pause, to step back, to reflect? And if sins, things that you have done to hurt or offend God are not coming to mind, may I just suggest 
that you're not thinking hard enough or honestly taking it seriously enough, but trading that for going through the motions instead. And if you find yourself in that place, crossing your arms, angry at God, putting the blame on him, may I encourage you to do a self-check to see if you might not be deceiving yourself and what you have contributed to the feelings of anger and disappointment and now distance between you that you're experiencing with him. This is why we do these things. These these practices of confessing our sin, these, these professions of faith and my hope for you is that it is something that grows beyond a Sunday morning experience or beyond an autopilot portion of our practice here today, but something that becomes a template for how you do life daily with him. So with that all in mind, I want to invite you to rise. to force yourself right now because we stand up and we know this place to not push the autopilot button but to confess your sins in a true and meaningful way to him. I find I need a moment before I rush into what the words have to say. So I invite you, before we pray this together, to either just Close your eyes and bow your head and kind of get centered with God today and, and, and just start clearing the space to give you that moment with him or maybe instead to just meditate on the words on the screen and read them and maybe let them strike you in a new way, a different way before we come to him. O Father, who forgives, who will forgive, who has forgiven, we return again to acknowledge what we are eager to forget, that our hearts have not forsaken, seeking good apart from you as if we could set you aside to test our sin once more. We have sold sacred hours to search out some relief. In the same barren fields we've so often wandered, we've returned to you empty, only to find in the end you walked those fields with us, offering joy all along. O Father who forgives, please make us convinced that our sin cannot satisfy, that good comes only from you, We rise together now, standing only in your grace, hoping only in your Son. God, the Father in heaven. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world. God, the Holy Spirit. 
Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away our sins and the sins of the world. Christ, the Lamb of God, you take away our sins and the sins of the world. O Christ, O Lord, O Christ, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name.